guy is drunk, but there he goes. All right, what's up, guys? It's Ty here with a EP emergency podcast. It's something that we're just going to call it at this point. Uh, but it's Thursday night at 8.30 Central Standard Time. The trade deadline has ended how many hours ago now? Um, I would say at least five hours. Five hours. Six, six hours. Six. It's been a few hours. I think the dust is, <laughs> the dust is beginning to settle. The buyout markets begin to activate. But the trade deadline has passed. The chaos has settled. And we're going to go through kind of, a, kind of a recap of what happened during that madness, chaos of what was amazing to follow. Tonight, I got my normal co-host, Mac. Mac, how are you doing? What's going on, everybody? And then I have Brendan Nunes of the Royalty Podcast, the Celtics Podcast, and NBA Distribution Podcast. You can find him at NBA underscore distribution on Twitter. How are you doing tonight, Brendan? Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. So, you have three different podcasts. We only have this one. I do. I'm co-host in two others, and then I have my own general NBA one. Nice. So, but you clearly follow the NBA just as bad badly as we do so we would expect that you have a lot of information on this this whole trade deadline yeah i would call it an addiction addiction yeah i can agree with that i have a similar thing all right so but kind of again starting off with the trade deadline since the christoph porzingis trade on last thursday since january 31st we've had 23 total trades in the league that had involved a player out of the 30 teams in the league 24 made a trade involving a player, with only 6 not doing it. Instead of me going through the list of who made the trade, it's easier to say who didn't. That's the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Spurs, the Wolves, the Hornets, and the Jazz. The rest of the teams in the league all made a trade of some sort in the span of the last previous week, which is insane. Absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. Entertaining. Yes. It's maddening. It's entertaining. It's chaos. I think I posted it. I posted a poll on our Twitter saying, "What did you guys think of the trade deadline?" I was saying, "Uh, I had meh, pretty good, pretty awesome, and then give me chaos, damn it!" Yeah, this is the Marcus Aurelius infamous gladiator quote. It's like, "Are you not entertained?" But I had plenty of people to say, "Give me chaos," and chaos was given. Absolutely, it was fantastic. So, Brendan, how would you rate this trade deadline, though? I mean, best one that I've kept up with the last, especially today and even yesterday, it was like the hours went so fast just going through Twitter and then new Shams tweet or new Woj tweet. And it's like, okay, what am I going to see this time? Mac, what do you think about the trade deadline this year, especially? Yeah, I think this has probably been one of the the most, if not the most exciting uh, midseason trade deadline. Um, Normally, these these storylines, they continue out throughout the summer. Or we see, you know, these these big storylines unfold in the summer. But I think this has been one of the most hellish, chaotic midseason uh, trade deadlines, and it's been fantastic. I think it was it was great. I mean, people don't even remember the Super Bowl that just happened you know, last week, a few days ago, and and that says something. That's saying a lot, especially in America. Yeah. So the trade deadline. This I remember seeing trade deadlines of years past where it was a lot of hype and it just kind of fell flat. Remember twenty. 20- 16 where the big name i remember was michael carter williams getting traded that's all that was but this year we had a lot of big names a lot of people moving around a lot of teams making huge upgrades and or making moves towards the offseason so starting off we're going to go to in depth of the very first trade that started this all off this chaos 
the Kristoff Porzingis trade on January 31st. Dallas Mavericks made a trade with the New York Knicks to receive the Mavs would receive Kristoff Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke, while the Knicks would receive DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, and two future first-round picks. And in the end, uh, Wesley Matthews would be uh, bought out, and he would and he is planning to sign with the Pacers. But what were your first thoughts on this trade? Well, initially it was, wow, this is all they gave up for Porzingis. They were trying to get rid of Dennis Smith Jr. in the first place. In those picks, it wasn't announced that it was necessarily two firsts at the beginning. I know we actually instantly hopped on and were talking about it. And just a future duo of Porzingis and Doncic in Dallas, all of Europe is going to have Dallas jerseys. And how do you how do you pass up on that if you're Dallas? So I think that they got their future, but they don't have their first this year since it is going to Atlanta likely. It's unless they get one to five, which is probably not going to happen. And then the two first that they sent to New York in this. So as long as Porzingis stays healthy, then I think this works out great. And that's two superstar level guys that you have that are really young that can grow together. Mac, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. If it, you know, if Porzingis ends up staying with the Mavs and the Mavs build around this Doncic, um, Kristaps Porzingis duo, that's going to be amazing. I mean, both of them are, are under the 25 year old mark. And so they haven't even hit their peak. Porzingis has, is have a ton of time coming back from his injury so hopefully, you know, he comes back absolutely 110% healthy and he displays everything that he was in, in New York. If that's the case, then the Southwest Division just got so much better um, and the maps got so much better. And some of the moves that they made, you know, they didn't I don't think they, they ended up sacrificing their future. I think they, they did a really good job building this package for Porzingis. Yeah, I really, looking at the two players, I really liked Luca and I liked Kristoff whenever he was in, in New York, and I think these two are going to be a killer duo, especially if Kristoff can come back from his injury. But this, when you have those two to build your team around, you have a future, and Mark Cuban says that the Heat, they're playing to keep them for the next 20 years. I don't think it's going to be 20, but I could see it happening for 10 to 15 years, still be a long dynasty. But the move after that for the Mavericks, this would set up a whole nother different conversation. So on Wednesday's night's game, there was news that broke in the middle of the game when the Mavericks were playing. Who were they playing? Uh, I think they were playing the Kings. I don't think they were playing. No, they were playing. Uh, I want to say it was Utah. I think you might be right. Oh, man. They, Utah or Denver are the two on. I want right to say it was Utah, but they were playing at home in Dallas. And in the middle of the game, a Woj bomb, or is it Woj bomb or Stein bomb? So I believe it was Woj. I want to say, Woj, all right, before we get move on, Woj, I think, won the whole trade deadline and news breaking, this whole thing. Shams had a few, Stein had a few, but Woj won the, won the, won the war this trade deadline season. Yeah, I think yeah. he was definitely the, uh, he returned to his prominence on top of, of breaking these things. Yeah, I went through trying to, collect everything that had happened and Woj has every single trade and meanwhile Shams skips over a few of them so even if Shams was first to a few Woj had every single thing yeah and all the details I, I have notifications on for Stein Woj and Shams 
Shams is better for free agency, but Woj is pretty damn good on on trade deadline though. But moving on, yeah, in the middle of the game, if Wojbon dropped that, the Kings and the Mavs had agreed to trade Harrison Barnes to Sacramento in the middle of the game. But it came out after this with Paul Pierce, of all people, giving out his sources that uh, that uh, Harrison Barnes was aware of the trade before the game. But this would send Harrison Barnes to Sacramento which, and his $25 million player option for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph, and Zach Randolph would eventually be waived. Or bought out, I mean. This would this leaves the Mavs with enough cap space to go out and get some pretty good free agents this upcoming offseason, which means there could be another Euro being added to the to that duo already. Yeah, and I think it's really nice for Sacramento. Like they only gave up practically Justin Jackson. Zach Randolph wasn't playing for them, and they had the cap space. And I mean, of course, they have these pipe dreams of like a Kevin Durant coming or something as their ideal small forward since they've been missing one for almost what feels like a decade now. But this is a guy that will fit their system. And I think that in Dallas, they signed him thinking that he had potential of being a number one option because this guy's still only 26 years old with multiple championships that he's gone to. And I think it's a great fit for the Kings. I think they got to upgrade and only given up a guy that was just starting to get minutes off their bench. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think this is a good swap for for both sides. You know, um, Dallas gets out of out of Harrison Barnes' contract and ends up kind of filling him in with Josh with uh, Justin Jackson, who you know has some potential. He's not quite there yet as far as the development goes, but I think growing that core of Justin Jackson, Kristaps Porzingis, and Luca, you know, th- that's going to be potentially big time for them probably their future big three unless they get somebody else in there and the kings made that trade to where they're definitely in a win now situation and they have a damn good team yeah and they're quick like i'm saying and i think that that was slept on on harrison barnes in dallas he was kind of seen as a ball stopper but when he's expected to be that number one guy like i said he's trying to create his own shot a little more and i think people are going to start to remember how athletic this guy really is when he's running the break with Deer and Fox and Buddy Heald, and then you're also going to have Bagley. The team is super exciting, and Harrison Barnes shoots almost forty percent from three. He fits their team perfect. Yeah, and so and like I said earlier, where yeah, these this is a good fit. But like I said earlier, where the the Mavs they don't have fifty five million in contracts. Only that's the only amount of money that they have guaranteed next season, which means they can go out for they can go out for someone someone like a Nikolai Vucevic, who's going to be free agency, who's the big who's having his breakout season in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. And if they end up picking him up, I mean, that's going to be another great young target that they have. They're going to have an awesome, amazing starting five, you know, with them, anybody really, I mean, them having only 55 guaranteed on the books, they're going to, they can, they can start swinging for the fences here at this point for, for a big name free agent. And I mean, who wouldn't want to pair up with potentially the, the rookie of the year, um, and then somebody like Christoph Porzingis and you know all the young pieces that they're 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 building up. It seems like the Mavs had a busy off season, but not busy off season, busy trade deadline. And I'm pretty sure they've they won out and they will have a bright future after this trade deadline season. Going forward, I, don't, I mean, I think uh, I don't know about potentially this season or them making waves this season because um, they did lose you know DeAndre Jordan, who is huge with with Luca and he was doing pretty good. And he just started to get his free throws down, but 
I think definitely next year, especially when they start fielding Chris Stops, um, I think they're looking to make waves next year and, and the year before the year after that. This year I don't I don't think so much. I think they're they're kinda of done for the season. Yeah. And one guy we didn't even mention is Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean he went to New York and he kind of is underrated almost because he has that huge contract that people are just like he's not worth that money. But he's still a very service serviceable player and was doing a lot for them. So they have a lot of cap space, but they barely have any players that are still going to be on that team. So I could see it instead of going to a max guy, kind of a bunch of B-level free agents. All right, so let's move on to this. Probably, I'm not sure if, which trade's bigger, if it's the Kristoff trade or it's this trade from the 76ers and the Clippers on, was it 2 a.m. on, I want to say that was Wednesday night? No. Tuesday or Wednesday night at 2 a.m., a Woj bomb breaks again. The 76ers and the Clippers have agreed to a trade. The set, the Clippers would receive Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, 2020 first-round pick, 2021 first-round pick via Miami, and two second-round picks, while the 76ers would receive Tobias Harris, Boban... My, I can't say Boban's last name. I can only Marjanovic. say Marjanovic. And then Mike Scott, which I... I feel like a Mike Scott's nickname because it's the greatest nickname of all time. It's Michael Scott from The Office, but the 76ers just got Tobias Harris and Boban. 76ers are loading themselves up for a win-now championship this year as well. Yeah, I just, there's a lot of risk to it because Tobias is expiring and they really have to get him to want to stay. And they haven't been known for having the greatest locker room. So if... Tobias were to walk after all this and you gave up Shamit, who they really like shooting 40% from three and is only 21 years old, that Miami 2021 first unprotected, which the league talks about as being one of the favorite picks around their own first and two seconds it is a lot for that expiring contract, but they're trying to get him and Jimmy to resign this off season. So that would be a lot of offensive firepower with those two Simmons and Bede and JJ Redick as your starting lineup. Yeah, as I mean, I, I agree with everything Brendan is saying. Um, I, I think we saw a trend this this offseason where, or sorry, this um, NBA trade deadline where um, you see a lot of these East East teams swinging for the fences. I mean, you saw Sixers making moves, you saw Toronto making moves, you saw the Bucks making moves. The only one was was Boston, but you know Boston has been set up pretty well um, for the the entirety of the year. So you're seeing these teams understand, hey, look, we have an opportunity to go to the finals and we have an opportunity to possibly win a championship because LeBron isn't here anymore. There's not that stranglehold on that number one seed or the, you know, the Eastern Conference finals, Eastern Conference championship. So, and it's great to see this Eastern, the Eastern Conference become more, more competitive. And you see these, uh, these other stars go to the East. So that way we can, we can see a more competitive, um, finals from that side but i think what the sixers did here was they definitely are taking you know taking a huge risk and they're swinging for the fences um i personally love this you know this move because uh, i love boban and boban is is a great pickup they do have a backlog at their um at their center spots i mean they have quite a few players at their center spot but you know i'm sure they'll work that out um but this is a testament also to Jerry West. I think what Jerry West is doing is he's setting himself up or they see setting the team up in a great spot to 
attract free agents as well as stockpile a lot of these draft picks so that way they can build up and and hopefully build the second coming of you know golden state warriors so yeah and it's it's been been great all around i was about to mention that where the past three trades that we've been talking about were with the knicks the Mavs, and now the clippers these are teams dumping salaries and setting themselves up for the free agency this up this upcoming offseason the clippers will have only uh, 49 million dollars on the books which they have free agency pull too, and they're trying to aim for Kawhi. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Kawhi and, and somebody else, maybe like AD or KD, you know, somebody, another big star. But it, the setup is these teams, with the Knicks especially, the Knicks are really swinging. They're swinging, hoping for a home run in, off, in the free agency, but it's these teams that are dumping all this salary, and they're just hoping that they can attract all these different players with all the free money that they do have. How well do you think this is going to work, Brendan? I think it's going to work better for the Clippers than it does for the Knicks because of the management. And I'll give the Knicks the coaching. I People like Fisdale. He's a player's coach, and he's a good coach. But Dolan, while he's there, the GM of the Knicks, I don't see people going there unless it's a big, big guy like Durant. And that's the only one I could really see where he knows that if you bring good basketball, playoff basketball back to the Garden, it's just another level. But the Clippers are set up better, in my opinion. Like I'm saying, better coaching, and they have an actual team that you would still be around. Like right now, they have a really good group of nice role players that would complement one or two stars and would instantly be competing quicker than the one-man show that it almost would be if you went to New York, I think. Yeah, so these teams, they're setting themselves up for the future from the looks of it, and we don't... It's we won't know if these teams win these trades or not until the offseason ends when they have their all the free agents have decided where to go. But that's when we'll know if these trades have really won or if they've really lost. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the story of <laughs> Nick Stockskis and is it Wade Baldwin moving to five different teams in the span of a five different days? Yeah, that's... So terrible for them. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other minor traits. And then we will also talk about that East loading itself up. So, but we'll be right back here at the line. Hey guys, have you ever listened to at the line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast. Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some other hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free, and there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put, how do I get this? It's so confusing, Anchor, although makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. 
So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. All right, and we're back here at the live EP style emergency podcast. We're talking about the trade deadline and the chaos that, that ensued as a result. Let's talk about the two journeymen in the past five days of Wade Baldwin the four, the fourth and Nitskatkis. Let's go to the beginning. They started their journey in Portland, where they were traded to Cleveland for Rodney Hood and two second round picks. What do you think about that trade though for Portland receiving Rodney Hood? I think that Portland was really struggling before this year to have a bench that was successful without Lillard and McCullum, and they finally figured that out. And now they just add another really good bench piece to in Rodney Hood, just replacing Nick Stauskas, which was just kind of a three-point shooter. Rodney Hood can create his own shot. So I think that they are quietly doing a very good job and just got an even better bench, which was their struggle before. Yeah, I agree with with all that also. I mean, you didn't, there was some teams that made really smart trade decisions and what i mean by that is they didn't give up a lot to to get what they wanted and this is one of those that you know wade baldwin nick stauskas and the two future second round picks that's not giving up that's not sacrificing your future you know you still retain your your first rounds you don't get rid of any of your starting players you know you don't give up an an all-star or anything like that so they did a really good job of getting a player who can be productive and and like brendan said make his own shot, um, be that offensive spark that they need off the, off the bench. They got that back in return for, you know, really nothing. And um, so I, I think they're doing a great job. They're putting themselves in positions, again, to, to, to make a long push into the playoffs. I think this was the first year that you actually saw anything in, in the entire league be, um, be vulnerable. You know, Golden State hasn't been playing like Golden State of past. Of course, they're, they're, on a resurgence right now, they're coming back and and they're they're becoming just as scary as usual. But at the same time, it they look vulnerable and there's not a solidified NBA champion like there has been the past couple of years. So I think a lot of these teams, what they're doing is they are going for it. They are going for that jugular. They're gonna they're trying their best to to get to that you know to the to the big show. So um, I think Portland did a great job here. Real quick, I feel like this set the market since it was the first smaller guy and it set the it set the buying price at two second round picks and i felt like we pretty consistently saw it go people smaller guys that would be contributing almost on expiring deals go for about two seconds and this was the first one there there's usually one every trade deadline that sets the market and i felt like this was that one all right now let's return to our journeymen who have now found themselves in cleveland where i don't know what cleveland's doing the next day, they will find themselves heading down to Houston with Ian Shumpert. In return, Cleveland would receive Brandon Knight, Mar- Marquise Chris, first-round pick, and Sacramento Kings in this three-team trade would receive Alec Burks. So our journeymen find themselves in Houston now, and the Cleveland find- finds themselves with Brandon Knight and Kings with Alec Burks. What do you guys think about that trade? Um, I mean, I I like Iman Shumpert going to, going to Houston. Um, of course, Cleveland's just getting back role players. They're they're not getting anything too big. Marquise Chris is you know, he's pretty good. Um, 
but I think most importantly is that first round pick that they're that they're searching for. Again, um, you know, Cleveland is not doing anything. They're more than likely going to be right up there in the lottery. That's going to get them, you know, either Zion or or um, Barrett, RJ Barrett, I think. So somebody, somebody high, a high draft pick. So if they can stockpile these first round draft picks, they can have multiple first rounds and they can automatically rebuild and reload, which is great for them. Um, and then Alec Burks, you know, he doesn't really do anything for Sacramento, I, but I, th- I think Houston won this one, you know, by getting Iman, Iman Shumpert in there. Yeah. And they were able to get rid of Brandon Knight's contract, which is two years, 15 million each year, but Ooh. they had to get that first like you said and, and then cleveland also got a nice young guy in marquise chris who i don't know how many minutes he'll get he's kind of traveled a lot at this point but shumpert was really really liked in that sacramento locker room you know he's only 28 years old but he was the veteran of that team he has a ring and everybody on that team loved him there's plenty of videos with him and fox hanging out and he brought like a swag and really culture to sacramento that they haven't had Pulling them the scores since their high pace offense and everything. And the team was really devastated yesterday when they heard that he got moved. But the guys they brought back, Burks and Barnes, both are really high character guys from everything I've read. Everyone that's interacted with them is really like them also. And I think Burks almost can do a little more production on his own than Shumpert. Shumpert fits Houston really well, though, because he's that three and D guy that doesn't need the ball in his hand. Mm hmm. All right, and now we find our journeymen. Now it's the trade deadline day. They seem like they're safe, but Houston needs to get rid of their uh, their luxury tax, and thus the journeymen will find themselves in in Indiana and return for where is it? Just lost it for a future second round pick, and then the journeymen will end by getting cut later on trade deadline day by the Pacers. (laughs) This and so in the span of five days, these two got traded. Three different teams and got cut in the end. Did they take flights to each one, or, or were they like sitting at home waiting to see? All right, you know what? Screw this. We're gonna wait until the dust settles before we we pack our bags. I did hear that they flew to Cleveland, but I'm sure after they got traded the second time, they're like, all right, maybe we. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks so bad for them. Yeah, that's horrible. Guys. At least at least they both had like someone with them. That's true. <laughs> at least they did it together. They yeah. did it. They did it together. And they were best friends ever since. Imagine if they actually just hate each other. <laughs> That'd be really awkward playing would... flight. Like, oh my god, <laughs> walking to the same terminal together. Oh Jesus! All right, uh, let's talk about the Lakers, where they were wanting to. They were said the Lake. All the Laker fans were saying, "We're going to get AD, and we're going to win the. We're going to win the Western Conference, and then they're going to get all these big name agents." And in reality, struck them straight in the face, and their first trade. The Lakers would trade with the Pistons. Uh, how do you say his name? Shivy, Shivy, I can't say his name. Shivy McKaylick. Shivy McKaylick. And a second round draft pick would go to Detroit and return for Reggie Bullock. <laughs> not Blake Griffin, not Andre Drummond, but Reggie Bullock of all people. I think it just fits both teams' timelines better. Shivy is nice, and of course, Laker fans are... A little crazy at times, and dubbed him the next Clay Thompson, which is over the top. Yeah, but the, the, he looks really nice in the G League. He puts up good numbers on good shooting percentages, and he could be a good catch and shoot guy that might be able to play some defense. And Reggie Bullock is a proven good three and D guy that goes well with LeBron. 
Yeah, Reggie Bullock was trending after that trade happened. If and I did, it's like, how is he? How is this dude trending? It just Makes has because of Laker fans. Yeah, yeah. What they're doing is just they're just, they're surrounding LeBron with shooters. That's basically it. You know, is you don't need LeBron can play that that point forward position, and and he's probably more effective that way, anyways. Um, you know, if he's not holding the ball or if he's not pushing the pace and dictating the pace himself, you know, that's not LeBron. So as long as you can put shooters around LeBron, people that can knock down, um, you know, knock down their shots as well as defend, your team's going to do well. Uh, and I think they they did a, they did a good job by getting uh, Bullock there. But I'm I'm sure Lakers fans that that wasn't the uh, the trade that they wanted or were expecting to hear. And then the yeah, when I got go when I got the Woj update and saw Lakers, I was like, oh god, here we go. <laughs> and then Reggie Bullock. <laughs> Oh my God! Reggie Bullock's gonna be the new Steph Curry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Lakers are gonna win the World, the World Series. We're gonna win the World Series. Yes. That, it's gonna happen no matter who they had. That's literally right. Twitter for you. Uh, the this, but guess what? When you thought the Lakers were done, they made another big splash on tr- trade oh. deadline day. They traded Michael Beasley and Zubak for. Mike Muscala with the Clippers. That's this is probably my most confusing trade. It, it really... I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Mac, we kind of talked about it a second before. I really like Zubak, and who they got is not going to contribute. It's, Muscala. It's, it's a Muscala yeah, they, that they got off the 76ers squad in the trade for Tobias. Right, yeah. And another journeyman, just like um, Stauskas and, and Baldwin. Um, just not as much. But... Zubak was probably the the shining light this year. I mean, he was the one bringing, you know, actually performing and producing in, you know, in the lineup and, and in some of these games. And he's, I think he's in his rookie deal. So he's great, or he was great for them. And he was he's a fluid dude. And they trade him for Mike Muscala. <laughs> this is definitely the, the biggest head scratcher one, I think. And is it like, to free space for Carmelo? And is that even a good idea? <laughs> like, I, I saw it and was like, okay, I'm waiting for the next Laker trade because there has to be something more to this. And then nothing happened. Well, and, even then, who do, who do you replace? I mean, is, is Muscala going to play the center position? Like, I, I think they're okay with, since they're just trending away from the younger guys, I think they're okay with McGee and Tyson Chandler as their fives. But neither of those guys can score like Zubak could. Zubak had a really nice touch that he was starting to show off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, another... Carmelo was trending as well today because of the that rumor of... I think by Woj of the Lakers having that one spot, and it looks like Melo could possibly be a candidate to join the Lakers and his buddy LeBron. Banana boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's happening. But, I made a twenty-five dollar uh, bet with someone uh, after Melo got traded to the Bulls that he would end up on the Lakers by the trade deadline, and I'm so upset. You got close. I know. But so, uh, following the trade, the Clippers would release Michael Beasley. Uh, they would also release Gortat and Amila. Is it Milos? Uh, Tep- Milo. Wow. Which Milos is? They ha- they tried that experiment and it ended not well. He's he's expected to return to Europe after his contract is, mm-hmm. is over. So and, and it's because I like I like Milos. Like he's um he's a pure a pure point guard, which is which is good to see. You know, he um 
he has these crazy assists sometimes. And so I, I liked him as a player. Um, but yeah, I don't think any NBA team, I don't think he was very effective. Of course, against the Spurs, he was dropping buckets like crazy. Um, but, you know, what guard doesn't against the Spurs? At this <laughs> um, point now. So, so um, yeah, unfortunately, he's probably going to have to end up going back. But All right, so let's move on. Let's, let's knock out some smaller trades that happen throughout the league. Um, Don Maker had requested a trade earlier in the past two weeks with the Bucks. He wanted more playing time, just kind of a bigger role. Well, he got that trade, and he got a trade to Detroit in return for Stanley Johnson going to the Bucks. Think Don Maker's going to be make a difference in uh, in Detroit? I think that they're moving in the right direction, which I don't know if I trusted the front office to be doing that. That they got younger in getting Svi and. Thon Maker. Uh, Thon Maker and Stanley Johnson are about the same age, but he just wasn't working very well there. Wait, I and, thought Thon was like 35. Yeah, see, I, that's a good point. We really don't know. <laughs> Even though the dude said, I'm 21. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but then failed to be able to show a birth certificate. Like, that's a little fishy. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll just assume they, that he's the same age as Stanley Johnson. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. I thought it was a good win-win for both guys just to change the scenery for both and it could work out well for both of the guys but then stanley johnson got flipped yeah stanley johnson's not with the bucks anymore right he ended up going somewhere else yeah uh he's part of that miritich trade yeah yeah yep 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 so since you're mentioning the miritich trade let's go ahead and talk about that real quick so and trade deadline this was it because miritich was rumored to be targeted by a few couple of teams including the bucks the spurs i believe the raptors at 1.2 wasn't that right yeah, the Sixers were in there in the Thunder, I want to say. But he was being targeted, and I don't, I can see why. And but the Bucks made the landing. I was pissed mm-hmm. off because the Spurs didn't make that trade trade for Powell. Uh, <laughs> but the so Pelicans would send Nikolai to, to the Bucks, while New Orleans would receive Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson, and four four second round picks. Jesus, which I think even Stein was surprised that they were sending four for Nikolai. Uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead. You How take good do you first. think it makes Milwaukee? <laughs> I, you know what? I think it makes Milwaukee. Um, this is probably one of my favorite trades because this is exactly what Milwaukee needs. They needed somebody that can go in there and shoot the ball um, and not have have to have it in, in their hands too much. I mean, you run all your offense through Giannis um, or through Giannis, and and that's it. You know, you let him control the pace. And then, again, kind of like the LeBron thing, you put the shooters around him and, and let them shoot. Um, and we see it with Brooke Lopez, who, you know, he's their center, but yet this dude is shooting like crazy, lights out from, you know, from the three-point shot. So I, I like the move. I like, I'm I'm a Miritich, you know, believer. I know there's people out there that think he's, and I heard this crazy thing that he's, you know, a, a more mobile Pau Gasol, which is insane. But you know, I, I think it's I think it's a great move for the Bucks. I think that it puts them, I puts them toward or, or just keeps them you know at the top of uh, top of the Eastern Conference. I think the Sixers did a really good job of putting of making a case for that too. Um, but definitely, you know, Milwaukee did what they needed to do, and and they're giving the pieces to Giannis to say, hey, look, we want to build around you, so we're going to stick people you know around you that's going to make you better. Yeah, yeah, and he's quietly good on defense. Like at least he's not a liability. And whoa, did you say he's he's good on defense? You gotta explain that, Brendan. I mean, he's just not terrible necessarily. <laughs> like he's a little slow, 
but he can move his feet decently. He's going to get blown by, of course. But I feel like if you match him up on other fours, he's not going to get destroyed like other guys that, I mean, Thon Maker would not do great on defense. He'd make up for it with some nice length. But Miritich can hold his ground a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. I saw something with his sh- with their shot charts. And the Bucks are the best at only shooting in the paint and from three. And Miritich, I don't even know if he shot a mid-range shot all year. He's the <laughs> king of that. And I feel like the Bucks are quietly a top three deepest team in the league. Absolutely. It, there's It's just those four teams out east. It seems like the, the east can be so weak at times, yet they have some... That for the strongest teams now, and one of the trades that we're, we need to talk about is Toronto, which they landed a bomb today too. So Toronto traded Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, and a second round pick for Mark Gasol. That just that gave Kawhi a second big name player next to him, all star, I'd say all NBA type player, right next to him and Kyle Lowry. That's a dangerous team. You know, um, I'm gonna take this one. Straight off the bat, Brendan, but uh, yep. I, I I think it's more of a wash. I'm not a. I was. I love I love Marcus All. I think he's an excellent player. Um, and if you would have said, or if you would have given me Marcus All, you know, maybe three or four years ago, then I would have been like, holy shit! Okay, Toronto is gonna just crush the East. Um, but Marcus All of now. Um, I think it's a slight upgrade over over Jonas. What I think happened, though, I think that um, Toronto kind of gutted their bench. I mean, DeLon Wright, I think his his PR was like seventeen. Um, CJ Miles, you know, didn't doesn't have a double digit P, uh, PER, but um, you know, he was still a good player. Jonas was was their second best big, um, and so I, I think it's like I said, it's kind of a wash. Obviously, you know, Memphis gets more in return. Can't believe they just, I'm more upset at what Memphis gave or didn't request than what Toronto gave. I can't believe they didn't ask for Siakam or OG or Fred Van Vliet. Like they didn't ask for, for anybody. They, they gave them, you know, these bench players and one, you know, possibly all-star, not this year, but in past. And it's like, how, how does Memphis not get more in return for Marcus Gasol? But then again, I mean, he's 34. You know, his contract isn't so nice. So I don't know. This one, this one, I was just like, I don't think it did much for Toronto. But at the same time, I don't think um, Memphis won this trade. So I'll counter you a little bit there. My, I the way that I see it going, the way you're saying is that if Marcus Gasol, we've never seen him outside of any system minus that Memphis grit and grind slower system. And Good Toronto point. plays decently up pace. So that could, we don't know. Maybe he just does not play good in different quicker systems. But Toronto's big problem that I have seen is that they go through these crazy offensive dry spells and they get desperate and for some reason just try to get Kawhi to ISO. And it doesn't work. And they'll go through five-minute stretches of not being able to score. And they just did this against Philadelphia. They did it against Milwaukee. And it really just against good teams. They choke up for a good couple minutes. And I feel like Marcus Gasol helps with that. The Valanciunas wasn't the offensive weapon necessarily. And now you actually have a really good pick and roll that you had with Ibaka 
but it's a different level with Marcus Sol. Since Marcus Sol is more versatile, he stretches the floor a little more. And if you have him and Ibaka on the floor or him and Siakam, everybody can shoot fairly well. And Gasol can pass really well. I feel like that's an underrated aspect of his game. But if you can actually run a pick and roll with Kawhi and Gasol or Lowry and Gasol, that that's an easy way when you need some offense. So I feel like that was the problem they're trying to solve. And yeah, they're going all in right now. But I didn't realize, like you were saying, they did lose a good amount of depth with this. What about, and let me, let me counter you with this. What do you feel Toronto's biggest weakness was? Do you think it was their backup center or do you think it was their guard play? Because that's my biggest thing. I don't think they, they strengthened their guard play because look how Lari has been up and down this year. I think that's one of their their biggest issues is they don't have that that guard play. Um, you know, Fred Fred can come in and he can score, but neither Lowry and FVV have been the defensive you know juggernauts that they they need to be. That's true. Defensively, they have been lacking a little bit there. Like I was really really surprised Lowry made the team. That one did not make sense to me. <laughs> but he is second in assists right now. Right, and yeah. I feel like if he can get in a pick and roll with Gasol, that that is a lot for their offense, and that they're kind of trusting OG a little bit more to take a couple more minutes now, and that they're not—they're just hoping that. I mean, I feel like CJ Miles didn't see all too many minutes, but just given OG and Van Fleet a few more minutes with Wright gone, that they had a bench that they're trusting a little more. So mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from, but they're just, it's really, I feel like this is another win now move. It's all going for this year. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I completely agree with that. Yeah. They're, like I said, they, and, and you run and I think the good thing is, and I saw, um, someone post up the stats that their core nine is going to be, you know, they're starting five and then they're going to have either Ibaka or Gasol come off. Then they have Siakam and they have OG. I mean, th- the rotation, the rotation players of their starting or their starting five plus the extra four guys is insane. I mean, it's 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 insane how how many good guys they have. So I, I completely agree with you. If they can continue just that rotation of those nine people, it's they should be fine. My thing with that is that it's real playoff depth, and not just regular season. Absolutely, there's a lot of guys that can play in the regular season, but you see rotation rotations get really short and come playoffs. Those yep. nine guys are all capable will come playoffs and I feel like Boston has that too but yep. Milwaukee's depth will shrink a little bit there because they're playing guys like DJ Wilson and like Christian Wood that I don't really see getting those minutes in the playoffs so I, I just really wanted to point out the difference between playoff depth and regular season depth absolutely right 100% yeah you're right the uh the thing I do I think if I was Toronto looking at this trade and I see where Toronto can benefit is it finally gives Kawhi that second that second guy that he needs it yeah, Kyle can be pretty good, but he he's not enough at times. He's up, like you said, Mac. He's up and down. Well, Marcus all is a bit more consistent. Plus, I don't. I think if everyone has forgotten how effective Kawhi was in a pick and roll down in San Antonio, this dude when you give him a big guy that can actually work off the pick and roll like Marcus all can, you gave you let off a lot more load off of Kawhi, and you have a second option. Plus, plus Kawhi can be dangerous in pick and roll. We saw that as San Antonio fans and. It could make Kawhi more dangerous, not have him ISO so many times, not rely on him constantly. It gives Kawhi more options to work with, and I think it can make the team better all around as a result, just with having Marc Gasol out on the floor. Plus, it's a veteran presence that can 
teach uh what's his name who's the young guy for Tr- toronto uh-huh. is named oki uh he it cannot be a good mentor for oki it could be i think the veteran pre- presence will also be underrated because yeah there's 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 a lot of intangibles that mark brings and like i said i love i love mark and i've always wanted him on the spurs um way before we had pow but um and and you're right he does bring that veteran presence that the raptors don't have you know they don't have that that veteran big man or just veteran in general that has that playoff experience or or you know successful playoff experience that mark had i know he's been in memphis and they haven't gone very far but at least they've they've continued to grind and he understands that it's about the effort you put in so there's there's a lot of good intangibles that mark brings and and i think like i said i think it's kind of a wash you know they don't it doesn't move the needle for me um at least because like i said they lost quite a bit and now i think next year you know if Kawhi leaves they have mark for 20 plus mil and you know you lose out basically they, they need to win the championship in order to justify these moves because next year in the draft they don't have very many draft picks any <laughs> yeah and i think they're also set up though that if Kawhi leaves this year that they're able to dump everything that i think gasol is maybe on two years i want to say yeah i think he's on and, two years yeah and i want to say that lowry's on the same so after those two years you could do a full reset so yeah. it's like you know, at least you have that fallback. And also, I think part of bringing Marcus Gasol in is that assuming you have Siakam starting with him, you now get to put a really revived Serge Ibaka on the bench, and that'll help a lot. Do you want to do that, though? Because he's looked good in the starting line. I mean, I think he plays off really well with that starting five. Yeah, so, but do you... I, I understand that, yeah, because I think Siakam running the second unit, he's almost like a smaller Giannis in the way he plays. He reminds me a little Absolutely, yeah. So I could see Siakam coming off the bench. I just had an interaction with a Raptor fan earlier where it's like, no, we can't, we can't bench Siakam with him having an all-star level year. And it's like, I get that. But I understand where you're coming from. I would probably think Siakam running the bench would be better than having Ibaka as part of it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think um, because, especially because they could use that production off coming off the bench. So I don't know. We'll see how the Raptors play it off. I think it's going to be more positive for them. And I think it's all different and we won't know until they play out. Uh, we're, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to round up some of the other picks that we missed. And then we're going to talk about the ones who didn't get traded or the ones that got away. This is At The Line. We'll be right back. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content, just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community.
And we're back here at the line EP edition. So we got a lot more trades. We got a few other big trades that we need to talk about. Uh, but let's get some of the smaller ones out of the way real quick. Alright, this another small one that we need to talk about. Uh, I'm not sure if it's small or not. Uh, the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns agreed to a trade. The Phoenix Suns would receive Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington from the Heat, while the Heat would receive Brian and Anderson. Wayne Ellington would be bought out, and he should be on the free market, so he's looking around for a team currently. What do you guys think about that trade for this? For not really, it's more Wayne Ellington being being put on the market to be used on some championship contender. Yeah, and Tyler Johnson's contract is really expensive. A while ago, they gave him a four-year, fifty million, which is insane right now he's on a one year and then he's got a player option which i'm sure he'll accept with that money at 19 million each year but then they got rid of anderson that is just as much money uh two years 20 million this year 15 next so i feel like it's a wash and you're just phoenix got younger since that's what their timeline obviously is in miami try to get someone that can contribute and i can't wait to see ryan anderson and kelly olenic on the floor together just chucking <laughs> it was just a trade of bad, bad contract, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, no I don't, one even saves money. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have like a I'm kind of just indifferent about it. There's, yeah. there's nothing really positive for any of them. Besides, um, besides Wayne Ellington being go to a championship contender and someone, some team that really needs him, aka the Spurs, and kind of that kind of need our guard wing player. So there's teams that can need that need Wayne Ellington though. Yeah, so it wins for them. Or if they do pick up Wayne Ellington, it's a, it's a win for them. But I, I, again, like Brendan said, I think it's kind of a wash between the Suns and the Heat. Yeah, between those two teams, it's not not too big. Uh, now one big trade: the Wizards and the Bulls agreed to a trade to where the Wizards would receive Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, and a second round pick, while the Bulls would receive that Otto Porter. Finally, I I honestly think that that the Bulls I would or sorry Washington. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to say. I'm trying to think of it, but I think the Bulls fleece wa- fleece Washington for Otto Porter. I know his contract is huge, and it's kind of it's a huge albatross of of a of a contract. But Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker and a second round pick. You don't even get a first round pick off of that. Come on, come on, Washington. Yeah. What, what are you doing, Washington? You, you're trying to rebuild. John Wall is out for this year and possibly all of next. You don't even get a first round off. Of that. <laughs> You're probably going to go into the lottery. How are you not getting the first round? So, I don't know. I think um, Chicago got the better end of end of the you know the bargain here, and and they got rid of they got rid of some locker 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 toxicity, you know, because Bobby Portis is kind of a firecracker. So, um, them getting Otto Porter, he's I think he's he's a great player, and uh, it puts him it puts him in a better position. Yeah, I actually was confused from Chicago's standpoint. Because I don't think they gave up anything that was much. Like, Jabari Parker doesn't really count for anything. He was on that huge, uh, what's practically expiring, because no one's going to take that team option second year. Absolutely. But Bobby Portis is only 23, and he's shown some promise. He's had big games. I think he's had a couple 30-plus. But Chicago's a bottom five team, so I guess, you know, you add talent when you can. And Otto Porter's still only 25. He's a good player, like you're saying. But man, two years and then a player option all at twenty six million a year, a whole lot. Yep. And I thought it meant that Washington was just ready to give up. The Beal would be on the block next because they could get a lot for that. And then you go full lottery and bring back a top pick with John Wall, which they got so screwed by that injury. 
So actually, you'd be able to get a top eight this year and next, but now they're right in with just Bradley Beal. So I, Washington screwed. I don't get it. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was like. I, I don't understand. I think the Bulls got the better deal because, you know, I don't think they have a max player on their team at this point, and I think they have salary cap to work with. Yeah. So, you know, they don't, they're not really paying anybody at this point, and so they can eat that money. Another Washington, Washington trade that went down too, which I'm not sure if this is – I'm more indifferent on this one. The Wizards would receive Wesley Johnson in return for Marquise Morris and a second-round pick over to New Orleans, and Pelicans would just release Marquise too, so – Kind of an trade that just needs to get out of the way. You guys have anything yeah. on that trade? Didn't make much sense to me, and I think it was kind of a kind of a wash. I think maybe it's Wesley Johnson. Johnson has a big contract, but yeah, again, Markeith contributes to that Washington team. So to me, this was like, all right, Beal's on the way out, and it just never happened. Like, I yeah, Washington is needs to make up their mind, and it's too late now at this point. <laughs> Well, they got the buyout market, which doesn't seem... I don't think they're going to have any luck in the buyout market at all. So Yeah, I think at this point, it's just for them, it's full tank mode. And that's why I'm like, how do you how do you not pull a first from, you know, from giving Otto Porter out? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I don't even know how many draft picks they have, but by not... You know, you saw it with, like, the Clippers and you saw it with, um, like, the Knicks. Like they're stocking these draft pot, these draft picks, and you know you don't you don't get more draft picks for Auto Porter, so it doesn't really make sense to me. But again, it, it leaves me confused. Also, so Sacramento got, I mean Dallas got rid of Harrison Barnes, which is a similar contract, one less year, and they really only got Justin Jackson back. So, I mean, it's really like you just got one good player, one good young player for these huge contract small forwards. And then they happen to get a second also. But I think the market for these guys just wasn't there. Yeah. All right. Another, with all that money. another trade that... Because the Grizzlies, they were trying to look to trade Conley, but the Grizzlies would receive Avery Bradley in a trade with the Clippers for Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple. I don't know how the hell Grizzlies just couldn't find Conley a team to land on. I heard that Utah wanted him, but then that fell through. I believe they were asking for a little more than what Utah wanted to give up. and. Yeah, like, if you're giving up Gasol, you might as well go full tank. I mean, Conley by himself isn't going to win you games. I just don't know how many teams... There's a lot of already good point guards, and there's not very many teams that need a win-now type point guard, and he's huge money for a lot of years. And coming off of an injury. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mark and Conley are, are those type of guys that they're beloved throughout the league. You know, they've they don't start shit with anybody. They don't try to, to raise these headlines and, and, and cause these drama, this drama. They're the guys that they, they live that grit and grind mentality, and that's who they are. And so you respect those guys, at least I do. And so I'm glad Gasol is with a championship contender team. You know, unfortunately, it's with, with the Raptors. And, you know, I personally don't, you know, don't like the Raptors this year. <laughs> Um, you know, for reasons, but, um, but, you know, I, and I, I, I hoped or I wished that Conley would have gone to a, a championship contender team. And if he would have gone to the Jazz, that would have been fantastic. Even though they are in the West, you know, just seeing Conley win out and, and have a good year, um, after everything he's been through, like, you know, I, I, I wanted that for him. 
unfortunately that's not going to happen but you know at least he still has 20 plus million <laughs> in our trade uh grizzlies also traded away shelvin mack to the hawks and received tyler dorsey is there anything significant in that trade not really um, i was gonna say from the from the silence i was gonna say not really <laughs> yeah that, that was one of those those trades that's like the team does it just to do it. They just wanted to get their name in, in inside, you know, inside trade deadline. And yeah, just say, hey, look, look, we did it. Some of these guys' stats. I'm like, who are these guys again? <laughs> that was the same thing with this our trade. Portland, Portland uh, trading away Caleb Swingin? Swingin. again, And received from the Kings at... Skull uh, LaBizier. Yeah, I was, I was like, yeah. saying, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> I've never heard I like of them. Skull. I like Skull, actually. Like, I think yeah. he's, he's, he's a good player and he's a good... He's a good um, role player and uh if there if there was a team to go after I, I wish the spurs or if we knew that he was available I wish the spurs would go after him but you know i think he's i think it's a just a good swap for both teams yeah they're both really young and neither of the guys like portland has a lot of wings interestingly because they have like a small forward problem but and sacramento has a crazy amount of bigs so both of these guys just weren't getting minutes but they're young and have upside, so they go to places where they get a little bit more opportunity. I think it's a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's good for both. And again, it strength, strengthens Portland's um, you know, bench crew. So I think it was a win-win on their ports. All right, uh, in our trade, this one's kind of just 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 there. The Hawks would receive Jabari Bird and instantly release him, while the Celtics got a future second-round pick. Just had to be mentioned. Wasn't really anything big, too big to it. Another trade, roster uh, spot. yeah, roster spot essentially. Uh, Brooklyn Nets they received Greg Monroe in a second round pick from the from the Raptors. It's still unknown. I don't know how it's still unknown. We don't know what the Raptors got in return, but I highly doubt it was a player since we have no information on it. Now the biggest one, kind of rounding out the day, was Orlando Magic receiving Markel Fultz in return from the Ma in return from the 76ers, Jonathan Simmons, a twenty twenty first round pick via Thunder, and a second for. Second round pick, all going to the 76ers while the Magic get a Markel Fultz? What does this trade mean for the 76ers and Markel? I think that it's nice for Markel to finally be in a place where he's going to get some opportunity and there's not a win-nail mentality. It, you know, maybe it was an injury, but I'm sure part of it at this point has to be mental that, you know, he was so highly sought after. He was undisputed number one pick and looked amazing. And all of a sudden, can't even shoot a free throw correctly. So I think Philly got a decent amount for him. They got a role player and a first-round pick that's top 20 protected, I want to say, and then turns into two seconds and another future second. So they got a nice pull, especially after they gave up a bunch of assets and they needed a bench. So they managed to pull off Simmons. And then earlier, they also got James Ennis from the Rockets. And Fultz gets to go into an opportunity where the Magic can, if he's healthy, say... You're the starting point guard right now. And that should do a lot for his confidence, and he needs that opportunity. I really hope this guy can come back around. Yeah, I um, the Sixers, man, they do – They're I don't know what they do. They, they have to have some type of voodoo magic because they absolutely, absolutely fleeced Orlando. <laughs> they Orlando took is, t is taking a huge, huge risk on, on hopefully Bolt being – what everybody thought he could be, especially coming off of his injury. He hasn't played a lot, but you know, Brendan's absolutely right. He gets that opportunity that he needs right away. And there's no other 
point guard, or there's nobody else that's going to be taking those those minutes from him. So it is a good opportunity for him to develop, but at this point he might be damaged goods, um, especially because of how mysterious and in the dark his his injury has been. So and and the Sixers getting back Jonathan Simmons, getting back that first round pick that can potentially turn into two, and getting that future second. I mean, again. They just reloaded all their draft picks, which is insane. Like, how do you people let let this happen? <laughs> but um, you know, so I think it's I think it was an absolute robbery on uh on the Sixers part. But you know, hey, it's not my team, so that's good. I think the Sixers the Sixers are just happy that they because Mark Hill they traded a first round pick just to move up two spots from the Celtics, who the Celtics weren't even going to take them, and and the Lakers weren't just going to take Alonzo. They traded up for Mark Hill, and Mark Hill just hasn't panned out. But luckily, now they've turned it around and got a first-round pick in 2020 draft. That it's a Thunder pick, guaranteed. But still, still they got a good John. They got Jonathan Simmons, who can be a pretty damn athletic player and pretty come pretty good off the bench. And I think it gives them some depth that they will definitely be using come playoff time. Yeah, I think Magic were just really desperate for a point guard because I want to say they were starting DJ Augustine and have been known searching for a point guard and fits their timeline. So, you know, I, there's not a crazy amount of risk to it. Simmons was going to be gone. I'm sure you guys really like him. I mean, he's going to be a nice uh, spark off the bench for them. He brings a lot of hustle. Yep, and, yep, yep. yeah, you did give up a first, but it might turn into two seconds. It was a lot of draft picks. I feel like they could have held out, and they weren't going to get a better offer for Fultz, and Fultz wasn't going to play for them. And really, they could have given up two seconds been done yeah absolutely i like i said i think i think all the picks that they they gave them um i think that's kind of what swings it in the favor of the sixers not necessarily you know trading um sim simmons for it but i think the amount of picks that they they gave up for for Fultz is was kind of their their downfall there unfortunately well that rounds up all of our trade trade talk specifically now we're going to talk about the ones who who just got away so this kind of list that we kind of made up before the sh- before we start recording of just players that didn't get traded that should have gotten traded. We already talked about Mike Conley, Anthony Davis is on, is on this list. Uh, Tyrene Prince from Atlanta, Jeremy Lin, Paul Gasol, Kemba Walker, Frank Kaminsky, Ennis Cantor, and Gary Harris. Uh, first, let's talk about just quickly about AD. Well, Pelicans seem like they're going to be holding out with AD, and they're <laughs> they didn't give in to the Lakers trade. I think they. They gave a big fu to the Lakers and it embarrassed them just for pushing them through training six players and three different draft picks and saying no in their face, just giving the giving them the bird. How do you where do you think AD is going after this in this off season? I think that they were smart to hold out because that Laker offer will still be there this off season, but Boston can give them the best offer um, if Tatum is on the table then I take that instantly. I do really like Brandon Ingram, and I think that Lonzo is not terrible, and same with Kuzma. So that's where I would go second. But if Tatum is on the table, you have to go for the best prospect over a couple middle-level guys because you're looking for a guy to replace your franchise player, and Tatum is the only guy that I see on that level. Unless the Knicks get number one pick and are willing to swap Zion, but I don't even know if you do that if you're New York. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I think uh, not only do the Pelicans do a good thing in wait, um, but they also troll the shit out of the mm-hmm. Lakers, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, their Twitter game was 100 
like just amazing this this past past week. So um, I do love the whole narrative, you know, uh, of them battling back and forth and about you know, AD and then the Pelicans just kind of holding out. Um, and Lakers Twitter was just on fire how about how pissed they were at, at Popovich for 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 him quote unquote interfering and tampering but uh colluding <laughs> but um yeah i think the market there for for this offseason is going to be better for 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 the pelicans so i think they're doing the right thing holding out for him yeah so we're not going to spend too much on ad many people have talked about him long enough but ad has this offseason is just going to be fun just between free agency and and add ad into the mix it's going to be a fun offseason uh, and then the next one, this is near and dear to Mac and I's heart of Pau Gasol not being traded. <sighs> <sighs> just a long time. I mean, not even not even traded, not even just traded, but there was no buyout mention. There was no suitors. It's just like we're stuck with, with his contract for this year it's, and potentially for next. And like the, we had the rumors that it looks like the Spurs are going are looking to trade Pau, and then it looks like they're interested in Miritich and nothing. It just us, just us hand, waiting at the table, looking at the looking at the watch and saying, "Guess we're not trading him." You but, know, without going, without becoming too long-winded on this and and leaving Brendan out. Um, this is my biggest issue with the Spurs and um and Pau Gasol this offseason. You see these other teams move these secondary, tertiary um, players and picks. You see them making these moves and putting their teams to potentially win, you know, win this year or even set them up for the future. And this entire time, the Spurs understand that they have issues that they need to address and they still don't make any moves to address that. That is the most frustrating thing that at least as a fan, you know, with a team, to me, that's the most frustrating thing. You obviously know you have these issues. Like, for example, the Spurs have point guard issue as far as defensively but you know that's because DeJounte Murray's out and Derek White is out but then also you have the small forward position you know that wing defender that that we miss especially because the Spurs lost Kyle Anderson and the Spurs and they lost Danny Green and they lost Kawhi Leonard right there those are your three main defensive guys and you lose them and then you don't replace that so within this 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 trade line trade deadline you could have replaced them Maybe not as as good as them, but at least serviceable to replace that that production. But Part, you don't do it. Yeah, players that could give you could help you guys out right now, and know that they're a team that looking at looking at the future. That they know that they're not exactly going to win a championship this year, but they're still going to play play it out because Spurs never give up. But you're stuck with Powell's contract. He's not fitting with the system, and it's costing us. And it's costing the Spurs games at times. What is San Antonio's path to really improving? Because the guys you have aren't exactly young. I mean, you have Derek White and Desante Murray that'll improve, but those guys don't put you over the top with these high-caliber West teams. And if you got to the finals, those teams that are crazy in the East now. So is it, I mean, free agency? Do you have the money? So so look at it this way. So the Spurs currently sit, what, in sixth, seventh place? In, yeah. in the beginning of the season, no one thought that the Spurs were going to do this. No one thought the Spurs were going to be in playoff contention because the Spurs lost Kawhi, they lost Danny, they lost Kyle. We no longer have Manu, or they no longer have Manu, they no longer have Tony. It's a complete 
revamp of, of the Spurs roster. I mean, there's with the Spurs, there's eight new people. So a lot of NBA experts had the Spurs not even making it, not even winning 40 games. And, and the stats had the it fact- to where the Spurs were, had a 4% chance of getting into the playoffs. Right. So the fa- that's the, exactly disrespectful. So the fact that Popovich has the Spurs in this situation where they're still fighting, they're still jockeying for a playoff position, they're four games, I think four or five games below the first, you know, the first, um, the number one team in the West. So regardless, even if, if this, the Spurs were never in that position to compete for the championship, at least they were competing for a playoff spot, you know, and the Spurs, I think if they would have added maybe a, like another uh, wing defender, even one more wing defender, switch out Powell's minutes and his productivity for somebody that can defend the three and the four spot, somebody that can that can um, hold their own against your Kevin Durant, because you saw it yesterday um, with Golden State where Kevin Durant was just draining just buckets, just draining buckets on, on the Spurs, and there was nobody there to stop them. Kevin Durant is too quick for, for Rudy Gay, and he's too big for... DeMar DeRozan or Bryn Forbes or, you know, um, anybody that, that would have been, that would have been guarding him. But if you would have had this six, eight, you know, six, nine wing defender in there, a Kyle Anderson type, you know, a Kawhi Leonard type guy that can go in there and just at least put a body on him and put a hand in his face, at least that could have mitigated that. But instead you give those minutes, those 10, 15, those 20 minutes to, you know, I don't think Powell's ever played in 20 minutes, but you give those minutes to Powell Gasol and that's that's an absolutely it's it's a negative for your team. You're not doing yourself any favor by having him, but at the same time, you're not doing yourself any favors by moving him because you don't want to. So I think what they just needed to do is they have plenty of young of young assets. They have the two first rounds um, this year. Um, they have their second round picks. They have Lonnie um, Metu. They have um, a guy sitting in. In the Europe League, his name is—he's a center. His name is Militov. So they have him also. Another Nikolai. Yeah, another Nikolai. They have Bryn Forbes, um, you Davis. know, Davis Pertans. They have a ton of uh, young assets that could have been moved um, if they wanted to. Now, a lot of the Spurs fan base is going to push back against that and say, "Well, no, we can't move Lonnie. We can't move Davis. We can't move these people." But if you're doing this to get, like, for example, packaging it with Pau Gasol. And you're doing this so that way you can put yourself or get yourself a player that's going to put you over the top or not put you over the top, but at least make you compete better. You have to do that. You know, if you can spare a player, like, for example, if I didn't know Ty is going to hate me for this, but if you could like package Pau Gasol with uh, Chimezi Mitsu, uh, Metsu and one of your picks and to, in order to get like a, a great player or, or a good player, somebody that's going to provide or somebody that's going to be able to... Um, to produce this this season and and possibly next season and you know uh, and another contract you, you absolutely do it you have to you have to put yourself and we saw it we saw it this time we saw it this trade deadline where these teams are doing everything they can to make themselves compete and that's exactly what the Spurs are not doing they're not putting themselves in positions to compete all they're doing is they're they're running their system which is fine and it's absolutely great and it's good and it's working because we're punching above our weight class according to a lot of NBA experts, but at the same time, you're not doing yourself any favors by making the moves that you need to in order to still be competitive. Yeah. So it seems like they're almost, 
saying, okay, Popovich doesn't have much left. And while we have this guy, we need to be in the playoffs just almost to honor him in a way and give props to him because he's able to get these teams to the playoffs. But they're quietly almost doing a youth movement in the background with behind your two all-star caliber guys in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and that's pretty much it. And then once Pop is gone, you have your new coaching come in and then you know, DeRozan and LaMarcus walk or you move them for something in your full youth movement. No, yeah. And I think um, a lot of people don't don't see it this way, but the Spurs did a huge youth movement from, you know, from having players that were in their late 30s, like Tony Parker, Manu, Pau, um, they, and then, you know, Danny Green was up there. I think he's only 32. Um, they completely shifted that that demographic allow a lot of the, now i think they only have three or four three maybe think three 30 year old people maybe four 30 year old people yeah, it's, and they're not old uh, people either it's rudy gay who's still fairly young he's he's a veteran but he's not i think he's like 30 31 he's not he's not too old and he can still move but then also you just add in that you have a core three night i want you to say just we're limited to the, the to those three you still got DeJounte. You still got Derek White. You got Lonnie. You got Matu. You got Jakob Pertle. You got Davis Bertans. You still got a lot of young guys that can still play really well. Davis can show that he can shoot the ball consistently. Derek is showing that he can be a defensive piece in your in your in your team. DeJounte's always been a defensive piece, and he's come come back from injury. Pertle, he shows his flashes, and I really want to wish he would get more. And I think that's the biggest reason, biggest problem I have with Powell, where Powell takes a lot of those minutes away from a nice rim runner in Pirtle. Right. So uh, the the, Spur, the Spurs organization did a really good job of taking everything that happened with the Kawhi Leonard situation last year and doing this youth movement behind the scenes without people realizing. And they've also maximized a lot of those um, those role players. And that's what I think the Spurs are are at is maximizing their role players. And and we've seen it where. And this is where I think the um, the issue that people have with, with Spurs players is that they play within the system. That you know they're a systems player, quote unquote. And I'm doing these air quotes that they're a systems player, but it's because Popovich and the Spurs organization puts them in positions to maximize their abilities, and that's not a bad thing. That's a really great thing. Um, and so that's exactly what's happening now. Is you have these players that are having their abilities maximized because of the system that they're in. Um, and and they're making them, and, and they're in the playoffs right now because of it, because of the system. And so, yeah, what the what ended up with the Spurs is they had a completely different youth, or they had a complete youth movement at the same time. They're still winning because of the system that's in place for them. So let's we're going to wrap things up. Uh, so because we talk a lot about Pal, talk a lot about Spurs, talk about everyone else. Uh, so... I want to get your guys's. Who are your winners and your losers from this trade deadline? I think a quiet big winner. The first one that comes to mind for me is actually the Clippers. I think, like you said, big shout out to Jerry West. Everywhere he goes, the teams do amazing, great moves. But they got younger. They got rid of a guy that they probably weren't going to keep in Tobias Harris and got a lot for him. And they managed to get Zubak for nothing. So I would definitely say they were a winner here. I would give Sacramento a winner as well because they didn't give up much. I will say, like I said earlier, they lost Shumpert. That's a big uh, locker room presence. But 
on the court, they got better and didn't give up much for it. And then maybe I can't think of any standout losers. There were some trades that I would say favor others. Like I think there's potential of losers, but I don't know if we can call it now. I think New York has big potential to be a loser if they don't land anybody. And Philadelphia also if Tobias walks. But a lot of these trades were beneficiary to both teams in one way or another. I'll, I'll say that uh, Milwaukee was also a big winner here. They ended up pretty much swapping Thonmaker for Miritich, and that's just amazing for their lineup. But yeah. what do you have there, Mac? Um, so I, I think my biggest winner is is the Sixers. Um, the Sixers and the Bucks, because they added pieces that they actually needed. Um, they didn't make these frivolous trades where – you know, they're just moving people to move people or trying to create cap space. I think they they made trades because they needed these pieces, put them over the top. And so to me, I think that's why they, um, they're they the winners um, or they had the best free uh, trade season, trade deadline. Um, I also think, you know, that was a great point about the Clippers is I think the Clippers are reloading. They understand what they're doing. They know their identity. They're saying, you know what, this year's not our year. It's okay. Um, but we're going to be set up for the future as well as um as this year as far as draft picks so um you know in that sense uh, i think they they did a really good job of reloading their draft picks uh, as well as clearing up the cash space that they need in order to attract those free agents um in the off season so uh you know i like i like those those three absolutely um i think for for losers i don't understand i think it was it's either has to, it either has to be um orlando just because of of that horrible faults to me that was a bad a bad um trade because of as many picks as they gave up but um them and then i I think to me for the it has to be the lakers because of how hard they were how hard they were going at everybody for different trades and then they just completely swung out on each and every one of them so you know they they were tied to all these different free agents and they ended up getting (laughs) getting muscala and 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 Reggie, um, Bullock. Reggie Bullock. So so yeah, definitely not people that they were expecting to get. Yes, I agree with uh, Mac on the loser on the loser. Where Lakers are one of my big losers. Where they were hoping to go for AD. Although I think the Lakers would have been a loser no matter what, because even if they did, even if the Pelicans did agree to AD, they would have even gutted their whole team for him. I thought they would be a loser no matter what. Another loser for me, though, is the Wizards, where they don't know what the hell they're doing now. They're stuck with John Wall's injury and big-ass contract, and they essentially have no real youth talent that they can really work with at the moment. They don't have cap space, and the trades that they made just were very confusing, like Brendan said. And they just made... it didn't. It, the Wizards don't have a clear future at all. Although my two... My two biggest winners, though, won the Mavs just for building their future up as well as getting their cap space from training Harrison Barnes. But they got a big duo in Kristoff, Persingas, and Luka, and now they got the cap space to, tr- to add in the third player there. And I think the, the Mavs' futures are very bright, and they're thinking ext- short, not too short-term, but they're thinking a long future, and they are really set, If K- especially if KP is comes back 100%. Those two of... The system that Luca and KP will have works perfectly for each other, and they should blend in very well. The uh, my final winner though, it's the Pelicans. They got a moral victory. How else can you say it? <laughs> the, and whenever if whenever you get to become the hero of the league and saying 
F you, Lakers, we're going to embarrass the crap out of you. That's always a moral victory. I love it. All right, you guys have anything else to wrap up, wrap this podcast up with? I think we covered about everything there was. A lot of in-depth oh. stuff. You guys did great as always. This season's quickly wrapping up and it's getting fast. So, all right. So, well, thank you for listening to At the Line. You can check us check us out at our home base at atthelinepodcast.com. You can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Also on the on the at, on the Pulse Podcast Network app. You can Pulse at the Line is part of the Pulse Podcast Network. You can find them at pulsepodcastnetwork.com or on Twitter at is it I forget is it Pulse Pod Network on Twitter, right, Please. Brendan? Go also yes. go down the app on the Google App Store, or the Apple App Store. There's plenty of other different podcasts, especially Brendan who has three different podcasts for the Kings. Celtics and just general NBA. So go check him out. Uh, where they, can they check you out? The Twitter is going to be at NBA underscore distributor. And like you said, Pulse Podcast. There's the Royalty Basketball Kings Podcast, my own podcast, the distributor. So go check Brendan out. You can find me. You can find at the line at, at the line pod on Twitter. You can find Mac and I at Ty Yeager Radio, J A G E R Radio, and Mac Pen Media. And as always, we also got merch in our new merch store at PulsePodcastNetwork.com slash shop. Brendan, do you have any merchandise up there? I do not yet. Well, they uh, will be soon. Follow uh, the Twitter pages. Well, we, we, all got, we all got merch. I know at the line we have hoodies, t-shirts. We also have a beautiful, beautiful drop of... The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Go get that hoodie. <laughs> That's my favorite hoodie, and I can't wait to buy that. I just ordered my, my at the line pod hoodie, so... We're excited to have those. So go buy your merch. That will be in the link in the description below. Besides that, have a great, have a great evening, great day, whatever time you're listening to this. And we'll see you back here at the line. Yeah.